0: Welcome to the Women Shifting Gears podcast driven by Hemmings. I'm your host, Amanda Busick. Our podcast aims to introduce you to the inspirational women who showcase their talents and leaderships across the automotive and motorsports worlds. And even when I have my own moments of doubt and uncertainty, it is with this community of women that I'm reminded of what is possible. Thank you all for sharing in this space of authenticity with us. Here we go. In April, the formation of Women in Motorsports North America, also known as WIMNA, was announced as a community of professionals devoted to supporting opportunities for women across all disciplines of motorsport. While that might be the date of launch for this collective, it has been a long-time mission of co-founders Lynn St. James and Beth Perretta. The seven-time Indy 500 starter and the IndyCar team owner fill us in on how a pre-race conversation at the Indy 500 last year actually led to the development of Wimna, the incredible support that the organization has already received and why we are right on time in pushing forward their key initiatives. Both Lynn and Beth will take part of Wemna's first official fundraiser at the Automotive Hall of Fame in Detroit on June 1st. The event will kick off with a private screening of the Boundless Betty Skelton documentary, followed by a discussion on how the documentary was made, leading into a final panel focused on Women in Motorsports North America. All proceeds raised for the event will go directly to Wemna. Head over to womeninmotorsportsna.com to learn how you can attend this special event in person or through virtual admission. Now, let's hear from this incredibly inspiring duo on your Women Shifting Gears podcast, driven by Hemmings. Welcome to the Women Shifting Gears podcast driven by Hemmings. And what happens when two of the most powerful and vocal women in the support of women's motorsport initiatives join forces? Well, what you get is the Women in Motorsports North America. It was launched in April of 2022. And joining us today on the podcast is Lynn St. James and Beth Peretta, who came together in this initiative. And Lynn, I'm going to come... to you first on this, I know we've had you on the podcast before. I know you are such a, a staunch believer and rooter for all things women in motorsports. How long has this been something that you've been considering?
1: About thirty years, actually. <laughs> when you think about it, I mean, seriously. When I go back to the nineties, um, you know, when I obviously I did India in ninety two, but even prior to that, when I was involved um, as the past president of the Women's Sports Foundation, I got to meet Billie Jean King, and and I got involved with that organization. I realized that if people come together, you can really make a difference. It's hard. I mean, as powerful as Billie Jean is, she couldn't do this all by herself. You know, I mean, even when she started the the Women's Tennis Association, she got I think nine players to you know literally stand out and 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 not agree to play unless they got equal money so i mean and and that formed the wta so it takes collective power of people but i i didn't have a collective power in the early 90s i but i had a passion and a vision i knew that my efforts were no longer just about me as much as i wanted them to be about me and as much as i felt they were about me when i was in the race car um, I also knew that I was changing attitudes. I was I, My voice was reaching people beyond even what I understood. And so that's why I created my own foundation. That's why I created a driver development program, because the reality is the drivers, in my opinion, are the ambassadors. They're still the most visible people. They're the ones that the general public knows. It's the one the fans know. And so that was what I focused on. And I obviously got tired of hearing well, where are all the other women, Lynn? You know, and I'm like they're coming. They're coming. I know they're coming. So obviously Sarah came and then Danica came and you know a few others you know followed and that helped a heck of a lot. But at the same time to be really honest, I felt like the lone ranger. I mean, I continued all through the 2000s and but and I'm not going to say the sport didn't they were nice to me. You know, the industry was nice to me. They patted me on the back, patted me on the head, said you're really doing good stuff, Lynn. You know, we we really but, I, but nobody was writing checks. Nobody was really, you know, stepping into the space with me. I, I was just pulling and pulling and pulling and pushing. And so, to be honest, I got quiet, you know, back in the 2010s. And then I was invited to be on the board of ACUS, which is the uh, Automobile Competition Committee of the United States. And that is, those are the leaders of the, of the industry. And and I told them then, I mean, thank you very much. I was totally out of left field. But I said, you know, I'm not going to be quiet. You know that if I'm here, I don't need this, you know, I'm you're gonna hear from me and we're gonna make things happen. And I mean, I'm not sure they really thought I still had the energy, but but anyway, they I let them know that and um had a couple of runs at a few things that didn't work, and then um, you know, I just was so overwhelmed with what Beth did at Indy last year. I mean, it just literally I got chills tears in my eyes. She just made a huge leap, you know, for women in the sport, not just in indie racing, but in the sport. And so got our heads together. I asked her, I said, Hey, would you just, can we, can I talk to you? I said, I feel like, you know, that we're, I'm no longer the long, the Lone Ranger, you know? And she said, you aren't, we're, we're doing this for everybody. Not even, you know, so that was the beginning. And, And that's what uh, we didn't know where it was going to go. But the good news is we were aligned philosophically. We respect each other so much. And then the other good news is that we were really able to engage at that time, 40 other men and women. And that was I literally get goosebumps telling the story because then I, I felt like I was living the Women's Sports Foundation again, where men and women are coming together to make a difference for women in sports men and women were now coming together to make for a difference for women in motorsports, my sport, you know, the sport that I love so much. So that's how it all kind of started. And and the momentum has been fabulous. The support from these individuals that's now grown over to a hundred people and we know it's going to grow even bigger. There's just, it's the right time. It's the right time in the right place.
0: Beth, I want to come to you now and that conversation with Lynn St. James when she approached you on all of this. And you told her that you're no longer and never were the Lone Ranger at this, I guess, from your perspective. But what do you remember about that conversation?
2: Uh, our conversation was, um, I mean, the, the first kind of emotional conversation was literally the starting go to the Indy 500 or the, or the pre-race of the Indy 500 of 2021. And it's funny because I think people might wonder... Why do programs like mine, uh, like, why are we even doing this? Why does Women in Motorsport North America matter? And the funniest thing is, I always say it's women have been in racing, right? We've been kind of peppered about why the idea for my team came together and why I pushed so hard and worked so hard to put it together is really just to make something very visible. It was just to make us bigger. And if we were bigger, then you'd notice us. The fact is that there have been women in racing since the beginning and, you know, few and far between. But if we kind of put everybody on one team in matching shirts and matching uniforms, people start to take notice differently. What was interesting through last year, too, in 2021 is now as... We, you know, we, we burst on the scene with the open test in April, and then you see us through the couple of weeks in May, and you saw other teams were putting their women that they might have had that either were working back at the shop or might have been in a, in a more hidden role. They were putting their women front and center. And we'll take that as a win because they were there all along. You had the power all along, Dorothy, but you put them forward and that's the goal. As I always say because people often because it's kind of shorthand or being lazy people say like oh you've got the all women's team. Like and and I'm such a stickler for vernacular. I hate references to all women's this, all women's that. Like all you know another announcement another all women's team. No, that's an all women's driver lineup, which is important. But call it what it is. Because trust me that guy that's driving the truck, the transporter from place to place that's a guy. I can see him. But with that said, the uh, our, our team is majority women, but I don't want to have a 100% women's team. I want women on 100% of the teams. I want people of awesome. color on 100% of the teams, the minorities. And the reason why that matters, I come to this with a different experience than Lynn. Lynn is a racing driver. I was a business person. So I have built teams, uh, whether they're business teams, uh, racing teams, and I have you know, seen like how you balance out strengths and weaknesses. If somebody has a strength in one spot, but a weakness in another, ideally you balance it out with somebody else that can kind of can, can balance them out and create a formidable, you know, group of people together doing great things that they couldn't do individually. So I saw the opportunity within racing. I saw the, um, the excitement that it can bring. And that's kind of how I came together with my team. But why it's important is here's an interesting thing about the Indy 500 specifically it's very visible. It's the, still the single largest sporting event in the world, single single day sporting event in the world. It is unique that you can kind of drop in and just do it as a one-off, which we did last year. So you kind of get to be part of the big show if you qualify, which we did by the skin of our teeth at, with uh, you know seconds to spare. But what is amazing about that, so 2021, it was the 110th anniversary since the race started, right? In 110 years, there hadn't been a majority women's team. Okay. That's a big number. Here's another crazy number. Women were not allowed in the paddock at Indianapolis Motor Speedway until 1971. And Lynn knows what that to be on the outside of the fence and you can't go in. Your male friends can go in, but you can't because you're a woman. That was 1971. Here's the crazy thing. So they allow w- women into the paddock in 1971. My team, 2021 was 50 years later. It took 50 years to get a team of majority women. That's a long time. So you might say like, do we need things like this? Yeah, we do. And it's about visibility. And really, it's not about the the, the people that are already there. It's about the people in the stands at home. It's about people in the stands and watching at home. And this is about the future health of our sport because we need people to watch. Racing is entertainment. It's sports, sports and entertainment. We need people to be tuning in on TV and watching from home. And this is about investing in our collective future. So yes, there's great things about having a diverse paddock, but why? Because we want fans to care about it. What was going through your mind Sunday morning at the Indy 500? If I'm completely honest about it, it was about the micro details. The idea of the history was, was I don't want to say lost on me because that that's not being authentic. I knew how historic it was because that's why I did it. But I didn't feel any of it on the day because I was so focused on my job, which I'm sure probably Lynn knows what that's like. When she was in a race car, she was in the race car. And so when I'm standing on that grid or I'm standing on the timing stand, I just wanted to hit my marks. It hit me in December when I went back because I had to go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum to give them artifacts because, you know, you want to feel old when you're in a museum. But when I pulled into, I, I drove through the tunnel. At gate two and to go to the, the the Speedway Museum, I parked my car and I got out and I had chills. And I literally had that moment of like, oh my God, I was in the Indy 500. I probably hadn't. I know. And it sounds like ridiculous, but yeah, it, it hit me like that because I'd been there so many times and I've been part of, you know, I've had, you know, friends and, and loved ones that are in the race. So I've lived, you know, a bit of, you know, I, I know what the month of May is like, But I didn't know it by having the responsibility and my name on the wall or my name on the shirt. And it wasn't until December going to the museum when I had a quiet moment by myself that I thought, oh, dear Lord, we did it. And we'll be back again.
0: And Lynn, I'm going to come back to you here, Uh, but uh, Beth, I just want to cap on one thing because I, you know, I know that there's, um, you know, publicity takes different turns and I'm sure there were naysayers around the whole initiative and doing it. And so in December, I hope there were, maybe, I don't think either of you are satisfied because this is why this initiative exists, but were you at least proud?
2: I'm absolutely proud The, you know, how Lynn mentioned about getting letters Those are the moments to this day, emails and letters, um, not only from young women, but also from men who are happy that their daughters or their granddaughters paid attention to the race for the first time because they're so happy that they can share their love of the sport, which they might not have ever been able to get their daughter to watch or their granddaughter to watch. And there's a there's a prideful moment for them because they want to share their, their love of it. And and that's a, a, a sweet thing. Um, even this weekend I was at um, IMS and I was in the gift shop and, you know, somebody came up to me and with their, with their young son and he's a fan of Simona. And so it's just, those moments where I, there's nothing, you know, we do this for the fans, we do it for ourselves, but we absolutely do it for the fans and they're the ones that keep us going because believe me in between when you see us, there's a lot of difficult
0: days, <laughs> Right. You mentioned when you guys started putting the this collective together for Wemna that 40 people were originally, men and women were originally involved. When you started reaching out to people in your network, what was their response of what you wanted to accomplish?
1: Well, I was really delighted that it was just so, it, it was like they were excited. I mean, they were really engaged out, oh my God, Len, what do you want us to do? You know, I mean, it, it was... You know, which is what they could have very well said. They're probably yeah. saying you now, but anyway, um, no, they were just totally engaged, excited, and they still are. So, I mean, that, that they all was, said yes. It was an instant. Said, it yeah, was that's yeah. amazing. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And, and what, what do we do? And how can we help? And I was surprised how many of them didn't know each other. In other words, these are yeah. all people that every almost if to a letter, every one of them, you or I knew personally. And 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 have known for many many years that I couldn't and I knew probably fifty or sixty percent of them and if not more and, and the same with you but they didn't so many of them didn't know each other and I'm like what, what do you mean you don't know each other it's like what have you been doing you know but most everybody you in work so hard you have no time you know and I, I I my racing career unfortunately when I got to the indie level. I was only racing Indy or a few other races a year. I wasn't busy the whole year, but I was busy the whole year getting ready for the next Indy. So I had more time to be paying attention to the landscape. But, but I want to make a note of something that Beth said, and that I want to make sure we actually talk about, which is the survey that we are launching in June. Women in Motorsports North America will be launching it, which is the attitudes towards women in motorsports. I did this survey in 2005 in my foundation, and I wanted to try to get more data so that it wasn't just anecdotal, my experience or the experience of individual drivers. I wanted data. And we had over, I think, 1,800 respondents in motorsports. 75% of them were men, even though the, the, it was the title of this was the attitudes of women in motorsports. And the comments I found out on, on research surveys, most people don't fill in comments. They answer the questions and particularly if they aren't going to get anything. And uh, so many of the comments were, it wasn't just about women, seeing women race were going to impact daughters and young girls and women. It was the point that Beth made. It was that our our sons are now going to see women doing something that they didn't think women could do. And they see it winning. They see it doing well. And that this will change their perceptions and their attitudes about how they respect women. So whether it's their teachers, their mothers, their sisters, you know, that, that it'll... So it was like, whoa! This was this. The response to this was so much bigger than what I expected. So what we're going to do is we've taken that exact survey, and we're going to do it again and, and be able to compare data from 2005 to 2022. And Michigan State University, David uh, Professor David Ferguson, is going to be overseeing this whole um, you know research data. So that'll be coming out on you know there'll be promotions of how you get into the survey, but. And I'm still getting, uh, you know, fan mails today. And many of them is talks about, you know, their attitude about how seeing me back even then, which blows my mind, um, that it was changing, you know, the way young boys and men see the world, quite frankly, and particularly see other women.
0: You were talking back in, I guess it was the 2010s where you kind of, I don't want to say that you, that the initiative uh, hit a, a low point for you, but you weren't getting the responses that you wanted. And um, you notice that a lot sometimes with uh, the virtue signaling, I guess is the term for it of how, you know, people say they want to support you, but when it comes down to it, the actions aren't really reflected. Have you noticed a shift in that or people putting, um, you know, their checkbooks where they need to be in in terms of women in motorsports?
1: Well, the good news, it's really not about checkbooks at this point. I'm not saying we don't want money. Money always makes wheels turn. But it's really more about taking action. Um, And I I just ran out of steam. I mean, I just literally ran out of energy, which is really almost impossible for me to believe, but it did. But what I see now is it isn't what we're doing. It's the fact that we are, through Women in Motorsports North America, we become this portal of information about what others are doing. So you know, whether it's Shift up now, whether it's Michelle Depana that's uh, Pelin that has put together this next gen foundation, I mean, there's a whole list of these things that are happening for women in motorsports, and that's what we want to do is celebrate what other people are doing and encourage more people to do more. So whether it's internships, whether it's scholarships, whether it's initiatives to to be able to invite more women, whether it's through engineering, whether it's through driving. I mean, what we're trying to do is celebrate what's happening and let every pe- people know there's a lot happening. But at the same time, step in, step in and start doing something and let us know we'll help promote you. And it could be jobs, it could be anything that just invites more women to participate in the sport and then to be Successful. I'm also tired of hearing the whining and about how hard it is. Yeah, it's hard. It's not for everybody. But oh, if you've yeah. stepped, if you stepped into the space and you got the bug and you are truly passionate about it, oh, you're not working. You're just living your life. You know, you're living something that just is fabulous. And so, um, so that's really it. Yes, it's going to take money. Yes, we're going to have opportunities to maybe do some internships and fund internships and scholarships, but it's really about. You know, and it's about timing, Amanda, everything's about timing. And I think that the social injustices that have been happening in our society over the last couple of years, and I think COVID also brought people internalizing more, you know, it's given people a time to take a breath and and maybe value or evaluate what's important. And I think that the timing of all of this happening has made the timing right for something like this, that I can guarantee you 10 or 20 years ago, it was not happening. You know, it was just a check a box and then move on. Now it's, you know, what can we do? What can we do?
2: Absolutely. And a lot of corporate initiatives, most, most large corporations have initiatives now where they have to spend in the ESG space. They have to do things for social good. And, uh, so they're actively looking now. And in addition to that, too, you have companies that have a better appetite for spending on programs that could benefit kids because it used to be that that was a harder, uh, a harder thing to convince them of because you might say, Hey, you know, these kids could grow up and work for your company. Granted, if it's a consumer product, that's a kid's consumer product, that's different and, and spending in that space has always been there. But things like us where we have an initiative to try to inspire the, you know, or spark the imagination of kids, that used to be a harder conversation to have. And now they're kind of all getting it. This idea of it takes a village of a, if, if, All of these major corporations, if Raytheon and Boeing and Ford and General Motors and Porsche all spend money on kids, there are things that it's like investing in again investing in that that talent pipeline. Granted, we could realize it twenty years from now, but it matters. Um, But I think you know, respectfully, one thing that is unique about motorsport versus other stick and ball sports, and certainly you know for amateur all the way to professional level, Mm -hmm. is. We know that this is unique about us is that we don't have our sole revenue generator is sponsorship, right? So we don't have the ability, we don't have the the benefit of having an arena where we're getting the, you know, the draw of the the ticket sales and the concession and and the merchandise, you know, race teams run on sponsorship dollars. So hopefully then one of the next efforts that we can do with Women in Motorsport North America, once it's established, is let corporate America know that these are ways that they can get involved, grassroots level, mid-level, professional level. But now it's also that easy portal of like, okay, where are these people I can invest in? Where can I find them? And this, again, becomes like almost this one aggregator of information um, to also educate them on the value of why their sponsor dollars, how far they can go. Because what's fantastic about racing and what we're active in right now is we don't have to have our own league. We're not, we're not splitting the audience. If we're in an IndyCar race or a NASCAR race or uh, an an NHRA event, all of those audience, the, that entire audience is watching one one place and it's directed eyeballs. And that's, you know, when you're looking to spend money, you want to spend it efficiently and we can help them do that. We're always happy to help a company navigate this because it could be overwhelming to know, hey, I would like to s- support an endeavor, but where do I start? So those questions are things that we hope to answer someday too. And then also that, that young racer that's kind of progressing in her career to know exactly, okay, how do you talk to a sponsor? How do you find a sponsor? And uh, I, I, we can hopefully help on both sides.
1: Go to our website, just go to Racing 101. I learned a lot by going to Racing 101. I've been in this sport for 45 years. And so that really is um, the meat and the bones of what you know what Beth was commenting on. So I think, you know, we're this portal of information. It's it's overwhelming, but it's it's really positive. And you know, I think the other thing, women tend to always be a little more receptive to something, to a company or somebody that's doing good things. And so, you know, I think, and we are also industry-wide. We want to be sure that we're not just talking about indie cars, You know, we're, we're talking really industry-wide. We have NHRA, we have USAC, we have IMSA, we have everybody.
0: Um, all forms of motorsports. And that website is womeninmotorsportsna.com. And Beth, from even your standpoint, on the business side of your, aside from the women's side, but in your role, uh, with Pareto Autosport, uh, you're, I'm sure you're having conversations with corporations. I'm sure you know the gig of, of raising money. Do you feel that even just in the last couple of years, there's been an evolution of these conversations or is it still a, a, hard, a hard sell of women in motorsports?
2: Uh, it's always difficult in general. Motorsport is difficult, uh, you know, for everybody. As we know, I will say because, um, which is kind of the reason why I did it the way we did, is I, I am in a unique position where sometimes the phone rings inward now, um, which is a nice place to be, and hopefully that if if we can do that, that will help happen to others as well. Because you know we do have a, we do have a nice story to tell and and something that hopefully brands might want to align with. But hopefully, it's it's part of that ed- education process so that they know that we're here. I mean, you know, sometimes you say things to you know you, obviously now when I'm at a cocktail party and people say, "What do you do for a living?" You know, I have that that moment where I say, "I own an IndyCar team," and there's that hesitation. Um, or I own a professional racing team is usually what I say. But prior to that, I mean, I, I worked in this business also, you know, as an automotive executive, and people, you know there's still a lot of education to be done. Um, a lot of times I say I, I own and I was in the Indy 500 people are like, oh yeah, I don't watch NASCAR. So there's those moments too. Um, and we're getting there. I will say we do have a lot, having been to Miami F1 and having gone to Austin, Texas uh, last year and having been to more F1 races than I can count in my lifetime. It's amazing to see Americans have have discovered Formula One because of uh, the Netflix series Drive to Survive. We're getting what I'm hoping we're going to get this. We are getting a bit of a bleed off in IndyCar, but I'm hoping I mean, that we're going to see that in all racing in general, that now people that never would have considered this funny little sport that we do that is actually global and huge, and they just weren't unaware of it, might now um, may have found reason to watch it and hopefully they stay, right? And, and the more they stay, the easier those conversations are when you want to talk to Colgate Palm Olive and talk about why people should talk about sparkling teeth.
0: It does seem to be a bit of a renaissance in motorsports right now that I, I do agree with you, Beth. I think it is kind of fine in its way. Uh, into the different channels. One of the kind of the central missions of Wimna is to foster mentorship, advocacy, education, and growth to help ensure a successful and effective future for women in professional motorsport roles. Lynn, what does an effective future for women in this space look like to you? I think it's,
1: you know, it's representation of a lot of diverse populations. And particularly in this case, we are talking about women that, you know, stand proud and tall, in their shoes and in their uniforms and in their space and they're everywhere. In other words, that it's just, you know, they're peppered everywhere. Um, not, not peppered back in a corner somewhere or off and you know, off on a side, but that the critical mass, I mean, it's, it's still about numbers. And so that the critical mass is there and that they are as passionate and proud and excited about being in the sport and that they, everybody that works in the sport, Amanda, you know, this, cause you, you, you you live it. Everybody that works in the sport are ambassadors for the sport. We spend all of our time, the way the Beth, Beth was saying it. You know, it's like, you know, baseball, football in this country, all those other sports. Everybody, even if they never watch it, even if they never played it, they know what it is, and and they have an opinion, even if it's wrong. And so, where motorsports, it's kind of like you do what you know. There's this sort of it, we always are educating people, and I think it's because we have too few educators women are beautiful educators. And so I think that of every female that comes into the space, whether they're already here, or whether they're due to come in is to say welcome, but know your stuff and know that you represent the sport. And that's actually wear it proudly and spend time on airplanes or in public places talking about yourself and about your sport, because the reality is you are making a contribution to help grow the sport. And and so I think that's what women is about. That's what You know, everybody that's already involved in it, I think they sort of they're starting to feel that they're sensing that they're realizing that it isn't just about them, about their job. It's actually about trying to make a contribution and make the sport grow. And um, and they should all wear it proudly and, you know, be, be be ambassadors. Everybody that works in this industry, in this sport should be and in most cases, they are. I mean, if you talk to Kenny Bernstein, you talk to John Forrest, you talk to, you know, you talk to. You know, if you're sitting with, I bet you, Alexander Rossi or or yep. uh, Bobby Rahal, mm-hmm. or Bobby Hall, I mean, they're going to yap and yap about the sport, you know, because exactly. they. And so, if we have as many women, or at least more women, that that also do that, that so whether it's Alba Colon who's been in the sport for probably thirty years or more or whatever, that right. I think somehow we've given them permission to to sort of wear this badge proudly and, and wear it with honor. Um, instead of just being there and doing their job and, right, you know, kind See, of. Being- you have
2: to remember that for many years, especially like if you're the driver, you're supposed to be front and center. If you're any of the other roles, especially if you were the only woman in the role, you were kind of just doing your job, getting it done, doing, giving 110% and maybe hoping that they didn't notice that you're a woman. So even when I was hiring some of our people last year, uh, I said to them, you know, hey, you're going to have to talk about what you do, and and it's and even from what I used to do, like I didn't I didn't get my jobs because I was a woman or because I was marketable. That wasn't in the role. If you're an executive, I mean, that's not you have to do the job, right? So it can't be just oh, and she's photogenic. Like that's not a thing if you're an executive, and because we all know that there's some photogenic people who have gotten some uh, drives that might not have necessarily put together, a, you know, as fast a lap as somebody else could have. But with that said. When you're in all of these other roles, you're not used to putting yourself front and center. And usually as a woman, you're kind of like, let me just get the work done and, and, and hope that you don't notice that I might not, I might be a little different. So it was a little bit um, uncomfortable at first for us to put the woman thing forward. It wasn't what we were used to doing. And we all sort of realized and kind of, and that's one thing that I actively talk to all of them about is we have to be a deliberate about this. And we have to say the quiet part out loud. It's not for us. It's for that the girl at home. It's for her father. It's for her, her brother. And then we're normalizing it. We're normalizing the fact that there's no such thing as traditional roles, that it's really just Who's smart, who can work hard, and who can get the job done? I mean, that's the thing that's wonderful about racing is it's a great equalizer. It's against the clock. We'll hire you. If you're good at it, like, you can't be bad at this. You can't be mediocre. And so you're not you going to last.
1: And it's exactly. If you are, you're in and out as quick as you can you're, be. You know? Exactly. That's it it will spit you right out. And I think that's the thing the sport has missed. You know, it isn't tokenism. It isn't about the woman driver or the woman engineer. that. The this sport has always been about men and women doing their job and being the best at that job. And, right. and that's what our sport consists of. And if you're not, you know, if you're right. a wanker, you're, you're out of here. I mean, you are, you know, there's a lot of... And that's God why we
2: need. say there's a shortage of talent in general. We know that's why I'm not in the Indy 500 this year. There's a shortage of talent. So what do we do? We need to make more. We need to make more talent. Well, who can we maybe invite to the table who, who we, you know, listen, women are not the, a minor, minority. We're 51% of the population globally. There's nothing minority about us. One of the biggest things that holds women back is ourselves. So let's open the door. Let's show you that you can do this and, and have confidence in yourself. And you know what? This, this sport and other places need it. There's, we, we, need, we need the best and brightest. And that includes whoever you are, best and brightest. Can you engineer a fast race car? Can you, can you uh, switch out a gearbox really quickly? Awesome. Do we have a spot for you? Can you please put on this uh, fire suit <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and these shoes and, and tuck your hair into this helmet? Great.
0: And this, I think the answer to this uh, might be different for both of you. So answer as you will. But when are you satisfied?
1: You know, for me, I'm going to probably say Never because I don't see an ending. In other words, I don't know what the ending is, to be honest. I mean, you'd ask me kind of what it, what, what I see. You asked me some question that gave me the answer of saying I, there, there's so many of us and the ones that are there are wearing our badge proudly and everything. But I don't know. I know one thing. I will be gloriously happy when a woman wins the Indy 500. I mean, I want to see that in my lifetime because I know it's so doable. You know, there are things that aren't doable in my lifetime maybe. And I'm like, okay, you know, Somebody else can carry that on, but this one is doable. And so that, that is, but that, I I don't know if satisfied isn't the right word, I don't think, but, but that definitely will be most, most excited and proud. I mean, even when Danica took the lead and the place went crazy, you know, at the Indy 500, I, I have to admit, I was screaming, you know, so, but yeah, so.
2: I mean, they, they they cheered our pit stop this year, you know. I mean, we had a we had a majority woman's uh, pit crew that, that that had a clean pit stop, and and they they cheered that, right? So they, it's all these little incremental things, and you know that wasn't that wasn't leading the race. That was changing tires, you know. I mean, so the the, the lightning in a bottle when when Danica was leading, you know, you, the electricity I'm sure is still resonating and bouncing off those walls. How many years later? But I think I'm like Lynn, where you know when you. We're probably wired to never be satisfied. That's why we're Type A and why we're racers. Because if you're, you're, perf- we're perfectionists and we're always striving for the next thing. We're, you know, we're only as good as our next race. We're only as good as our next lap. And even though I'm not a driver, I still would consider myself a racer because that's how we're mm-hmm. wired. So yeah, like Lynn, I'll be satisfied when a woman wins an Indy 500. But like her, not to put words in her mouth, but I think we probably would share this. But then we want to know when the next one's going to win it.
0: Well, you guys have an exciting year coming up for Wimna. I know that uh, the first friend raiser uh, happening at the Automotive Hall of Fame in Detroit on June 1st. It's going to be a viewing of the Betty Skelton documentary. Uh, A couple panels involved in that. Talk about that event and uh, what you're most looking forward to.
1: Well, the, the panel is going to be, I know, very interesting. I mean, Beth's going to be on it. I'm going to be on it. Taylor Ferns is going to be on it, who's a great racer that went to my driver development program when she was like 13 years old and, you know, is still out there um, racing in, in sprint cars and, and midgets and, and is a lawyer, you know, getting her law degree and all that. And uh, and Laura. Laura Clouser. Thank you. From Laura General Motors. Clouser, yeah, yeah, from General Motors, who represents, you know, General Motors in the engineering capacity at IndyCar and IMSA. So, we, you know, we've got rich diverse stories to talk about um that'll be interesting and we've got my thunderbird that i set the records with talladega is going to be there as well as taylor ferns um i think her sprint car is going to be there or midget so you know i we'll have an it, indycar it, show car there
2: too Oh, that's right. Just to that's kind right. of represent each of the disciplines, because it's leading up to the Detroit Grand Prix the following weekend. So it's nice. We've got a lot of people in town for the Detroit Grand Prix and they'll be able to be in attendance.
1: So it's about breaking barriers. You know, it's a symposium about breaking barriers with a Betty Skelton sort of historical perspective um, and then, you know, leading into what's happening today. And so I think it'll be uh, it'll be vibrant, you know, discussion and, and informative and, and entertaining.
0: Well, I was uh, thrilled to learn that regular tickets have already sold out for the event. VIP tickets are still available. Afterglow tickets are available if you want to come mingle with you guys after. And then, of course, to be able to uh, join virtually is online as well. Those are available on the Automotive Hall of Fame website. But before we close this out, some exciting news dropped for you just a little bit ago of your racing schedule for your plans for Pirelli Autosport the rest of the year. What can you tell us about that.
2: Absolutely. And one thing to mention, that event on June 1st, the proceeds do support Women in Motorsport North America. So even if you can't attend in person and you're all over the country, you can attend virtually and we will be so happy to have you as part of it. And I think you might be able to even ask questions live, even if if not in the room with us. So that's always exciting now that we've all learned this technology. And It kind of makes things a little bit uh, more, makes the world a little smaller in the nicest possible way. Yeah, very excited to announce that in 2022, we're going to be back on the NTT IndyCar grid. Uh, We are going to be campaigning three or more races this year, starting after the 500. We'll be uh, Simona Silvestro. We'll be back with the gang, uh, my lady gang. And we're going to... Integrate with uh, our new technical partner, Ed Carpenter Racing. We'll be physically on site around the Detroit weekend. But our first race is uh, hitting the track one week later, uh, June 12th at Road America. We'll also be uh, July 3rd at Mid-Ohio and August 7th on the streets of Nashville. So hopefully you can tune in on NBC or on Peacock or see us in person and cheer us on and see, you know, the, the next goal now is to for my team to learn more tracks, you know, beyond IMS. And uh, also learn what it's like to have uh, right-side fueling and left-side fueling in the car because they train just for one way of what, what IMS is. But, you know, Road America is a completely different setup. So they're going to learn what, it's, what, a, what a regular weekend uh, race weekend is like instead of two weeks in May. And uh, get Simona back into some tracks that she likes, uh, road and street courses, and build towards uh, doing a full-time season, hopefully as soon as we can. So hope to see fans out there. and uh, And if not in person, you can watch us on TV.
0: Congratulations!
2: Thank you so much.
0: And Len, we had you uh, part of season one on the Women Shifting Gears podcast. Talking to you now, a year and a half later, uh, we know this uh, mission and initiative is core to who you are. What have you seen in the last year and a half that gives you hope?
1: I think the response. I mean, to be honest, I think the time is right, as I as I think I mentioned, and so the response from the people that we've asked to contribute to their time and their their energy and their expertise, but then also the response that we're getting from outwardly, you know, from media, from people wanting, I mean, I've already got an inbox that I can't deal with right now Um, because, you hey. know, people are, this is what you wanted. Well, how am I, who am I gonna, how am I gonna, you know, and, and don't you know, this is like, this is May. I'm getting ready to go. I want to go be at the Indy 500. And all of a sudden I got to answer all these emails that I'm trying to connect. I've always loved to connect dots, but I've done it fairly, you know, spontaneously or organically and randomly. And now it's like, you know, be careful what you wish for because it's happening. So I think that's, you know, that's what I'm seeing is that this has definitely got a, a it's taken on a life of its own and, and an energy that's, that's really fabulous.
0: Lynn St. James and Beth Peretta on the Women Shifting Gears podcast driven by Hemmings. Thank you, ladies. This Women Shifting Gears podcast, driven by Hemmings, is a production of GS Events.